Oh, can we worship him together? Hallelujah, Jesus. We magnify you in this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is worthy to be praised. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful that you can just call upon the name of the Lord and he can be there for you? That he's not very far from every one of us, that he's acts inside of us. Amen, that his spirit dwells with us. Amen, what a comfort that is. Amen, that no matter where we go, God will always be there with us, right? Amen, he will never leave us or forsake us. Amen. Friends and family may do that, but our God isn't. He doesn't do that, right? We serve a mighty God, the King of glory, amen, everlasting, amen, and he is worthy of our praise, amen. So good to see everyone here tonight to worship the Lord, amen. We want to um, dismiss the children as they can run off if they haven't already seen me walk up. Coming up next month on May 21st, the third Friday, we're going to have another late night prayer meeting. Uh, so May 21st, Friday, uh, another prayer meeting. And uh, in preparation for that, uh, we want to obviously uh, get ourselves ready for that, uh, to have let God have his way. And... Um, so the initial three weeks, we're going to do um, a, a fast, and we'll have uh, this on paper we can hand out to you on Sunday, but giving you a heads up. Uh, so we're going to fast uh, three days of the week, any three days you want, from uh, dinner to dinner, sundown to sundown. Um, and uh, if you can't do that, uh, fast, and obviously you can fast what you can, but three days out of the week, you can pick it. Whatever you want, if you do them all three right away, then Lord bless you for that. But um, if you can't uh, do all the all the meals and fasting, then fast what you can, meats or sugar or, or whatever it is. But we want to do consecrate three days a week leading up to that. And um, also uh, we want to do a media fast uh, as media is, uh, can easily pollute your mind and, and just mess things up in your life, and we want to get focused on God, all right, and so we want God to have his way. May 21st will be a late night prayer meeting here at the church, and we'll have uh, more info for that that you can take home on Sunday, all right, and uh, obviously as we fast meals, we want to take some of that time and devote it to God instead of our normal time of eating, spend some extra time in prayer or the reading of the word to help uh, draw closer to God, because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, right? Amen. So when we're not living by bread, we're going to live by the word of God, right? Amen. As we are staying, we can go to the word of the Lord tonight. Uh, Matthew 6 and 9 has been our text for this uh, series. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in the earth as it is in heaven. Amen. We're talking. We're on part eight tonight of the kingdom. Amen. Greet a few people as you're seated today.
Amen. Before we, before we dive into part eight, I would need to uh, apologize and issue a correction uh, for a segment in our last part of part seven, which was two weeks ago. And that is, uh, I said that after the church is raptured out of here, uh, that the, the gospel that applies to us doesn't apply to, the, to uh, Israel and that uh, Acts 2.38 won't be around anymore, and that instead the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Um, and my thinking was that when the church was gone, the attention is being focused back on Israel, and Daniel's 70th week was concerning Israel, uh, and that was preached before the church began. And then since we are not here, the church would be, that would be preached again. But uh, there are other, uh, there are apostolic preachers that do believe that, but after re-examining that, I can no longer subscribe to that belief. Even though many arguments can make sense, you can take a puzzle piece and you can smash it in where it doesn't belong, and it can, looks like it fits. But uh, tongues that, uh, they say tongues will cease after the rapture because they believe that when he is perfect that he comes for his church, so that's when the tongues cease. And after the Holy Ghost uh, is the, if the Holy Ghost is the restrainer, and that is the holding back the Antichrist, then you remove the restrainer, then you have no more Holy Ghost to dwell in believers. And so that is uh, the arguments, I guess, would be for that. But the key to the debunking that whole belief in that system, that, that doctrine is going back again to uh, John 3 and 5, what we hold near and dear to our hearts. Because Jesus said that uh, you must be born again of the water of the Spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven and even to see it. And Jesus gave that piece of information uh, way before the even church age came to be. And he, he was speaking to a Jew. He wasn't speaking to a Gentile. He wasn't speaking to uh, the church. He was just speaking to Nicodemus, was uh, a member of uh, the sect of the Jews. And so he was speaking to the Jews about that. And he didn't even specify when he said it that this way of admission into the kingdom was for uh, the church only or for these people only. But he just says, if you want to be a part of the kingdom, this is what you got to do. Which would mean that you need to be born again if you want to see or enter the kingdom of heaven. And so therefore, there's no descriptions, um, no uh, uh, people that are tied to that. So it's a blanket statement. So therefore, from that point on, on, then it has to apply to everybody because Jesus didn't limit it to anybody. And so since God is bound by his word and after the church is gone and the kingdom of, of heaven is on its way to the earth... We are still left with you must be born again because the kingdom is still coming and people still need to get into the kingdom. And the only way that we are told is that John 3, 5, you have to be born of the water and the spirit. Um, and so even though Rev Revelation is silent on the details on exactly how people are saved, we, are, we do see that people are saved in the book of Revelation it is, it is said that by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, are they, do they overcome? Um, it doesn't speak of water baptism and, and spirit, but no, no further information is given to that. And so we have to, since no new information is provided, we have to fall back to what we know 
as a, a sure foundation, and that goes all the way back to John 3, 5, because we're still talking about the kingdom, still trying to bring the kingdom in, and since Jesus added that new bit of information in John 3 and 5, we have to go on that until, until new information is released, which we, we're, we're not going to be around for that if, if indeed that does happen. Uh, so we always have to fall back on John 3 and 5 because that's still truth and the truth doesn't change. He can't go back on his word. And so uh, that's my correction and I apologize for stating something that wasn't fully backed by Scripture. And that there is only one gospel that saves and that is Acts 2.38. That's all we know and that's, that's what we preach. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't plan on being here during the tribulation. I, I, I plan on making the rapture and escaping Daniel's 70th week. And so we'll leave that time for Israel and for those that are left behind. But if, if people can't believe and people can't follow Acts 2.38 right now when times are easy, what makes you think that they're going to do that during the most difficult time in human history? Revelation does tell us that there are people that do that. And, um, uh, but the cost during that time is going to be so much greater than the cost right now. Because now we get to live a blessed life, obeying the word of God and, and being born into the kingdom and all that comes with it. But in the tribulation, uh, we see that there's a very, very high chance that you probably will be killed. Because you were baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and you didn't go along with the world system. Uh, and so Revelation says beheaded. And so if people have a hard time living for God today when you get to keep your head, how many people will be willing to literally die for Jesus in the tribulation? It's a much tougher choice. I might as, we might as well just make the choice right now, right, and just don't have to worry about that, right? Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. We, we already do that now, right? So why, why prolong and put yourself in that situation? But we're going to follow the word of God and, and dive into uh, what he is uh, declaring to us. And so we are at the point in our kingdom series when Israel has rejected uh, Jesus as their king, and they, they say, we have no king but Caesar. Uh, and Jesus starts to wrap up those loose, any loose ends because he's getting ready to depart. He's getting ready to be crucified. And he stormed out of the temple, if you remember, after rebuking Israel's leaders. And he said, you're not going to see me again until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Which means that Jesus is not coming back to Jerusalem until Israel uh, realizes the error of their ways and repents and confesses that Jesus Christ is King and Lord of all, which would be evidenced by them uh, being born again because that's that's what he declared that must be done, uh, and so that's going to be their uh, statement of faith or or obedience to the Word of God, and then they're going to cry out to Jesus for help, and that's when uh, he comes from heaven with his saints to rescue Israel at the battle of Armageddon. And so the disciples were asking when those times will be, what are the signs of the end of the days and the age. And Jesus, as we uh, started getting into, gives us Matthew 24. Uh, but before we go into more detail about those signs in the time, in times, I'm trying my best to uh, lay this series out chronologically. 
as best I can. And so we've still got 2,000 years of church to cover before we get to those uh, signs. Uh, so we'll probably be doing this until Jesus comes. So we'll be, we'll be ready, right? But as I said the last time, to understand the end time, you've got to understand the whole kingdom thing that we've been talking about. God's plan for Israel, and with the introduction to the church and the church age, we've got these two uh, trains, if you will, as I said, two trains going on. Um, Israel's on kind of on their own, uh, doing their own thing, holding to old traditions, the old law that was fulfilled in Jesus, but they, they're still holding on to that. Uh, Paul said that Israel is partially blind, and we, the church, we see Jesus, who he really is, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so while the kingdom of heaven remains in heaven until Israel gets with the program, we have God actively moving and working in the earth today through the church, through you and I, through the believers of the New Testament who have obeyed the gospel. And so we have to understand our part in all of this and our purpose in the kingdom of God that is, uh, isn't here physically, but because Jesus, or because Israel needs to make Jesus their king and he will bring his kingdom to the earth. And so while, that, while we're waiting for that time period to, to happen, the kingdom is represented in this world by you and I. It's not here physically. The millennial reign is not here. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, the kingdom of heaven hasn't manifested uh, as a physical kingdom here yet. And so until that time... It is represented uh, in this world by you and I because we've already been born again uh, of what Jesus said to do. Uh, and so we already are born into the kingdom. and We are citizens of, of, of another world, of a citizens of another kingdom. And so while we are still yet here, uh, we are representing, representing the, the kingdom of heaven to this world. Um, and Jesus was beaten and crucified. And his death on the cross fulfilled the Old Testament sacrificial requirements of innocent blood being shed for sins. But Jesus' resurrection began something new, began this new covenant that he was preparing and, and had planned, a, a covenant where the sin debt has already been paid for, that we don't have to drag an animal to an altar somewhere and sacrifice it. Why? Because Jesus' blood paid for the sins of all mankind. It was, he was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God that was slain for the sins of the world. And so in this new covenant, uh, sin debt has already been paid for, and the believer does not have to suffer under the weight of sin once they come into Christ. They, they no longer have to be bound by addictions, and they no longer have to suffer the shame and condemnation of, of failures, but they can live victoriously through Jesus Christ and be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, so uh, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And we know in 2, Chronicle, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And so being born again, born of the water and of the Spirit, it changes things. It changes your life. It changes everything about you. And, and all of this, this new covenant, Jesus established with his death and resurrection. 
And so Jesus had to teach his disciples uh, all of this because this was, again, this was a new covenant. Not uh, He fulfilled the, the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. He fulfilled that. And so now doing something new, uh, he had to teach his disciples all of this. And he was hinting at it all while he was uh, here ministering on the earth. And he was trying to tell them how it was going to be. Um, but obviously they, they're they're still stuck in the in their old ways because they're still under the old old covenant uh, until Jesus was uh, glorified. Uh, they just kind of didn't really grab a hold of it because Jesus told his disciples at least three times, three different times in Scripture that he would be beaten, killed, and crucified, but on the third day he he would resurrect. He would come up from the grave. He told that at least three times. He told them that, but that they obviously they did not get it. Uh, and uh, and it happened, finally it happened, and so when Jesus was resurrected, they finally understood, and Jesus was able to teach them about what's the next things, these, this new covenant and what, what is to come of the, of the kingdom and the church age, and what they needed to do, what they needed to preach, and, and all these things, and we see this in, uh, in Acts, the first chapter, uh, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all Jesus began to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. And so he was teaching and preaching up until the day he was resurrected and even after through the Holy Ghost. Uh, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Being seen of them 40 days, the apostles seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so the apostles, Jesus was there 40 days teaching his apostles and believers what's getting ready to happen. What's getting, this, is, this is the way things have to operate in my church that I'm building through you guys. And so obviously it's easier to understand now that he's been resurrected and he's there talking to you. Uh, as, as it was earlier when he wasn't killed yet and he was trying to tell them these things. And so uh, they, they started, they obviously they grasped a hold of what was happening. Verse 4, and, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Again, the kingdom that we've been talking about that uh, the leaders rejected uh, in Matthew chapter 12. Um, uh, and so they rejected Jesus. And, and now they're saying, okay, Lord, you're resurrected. This is all new. And you're teaching us uh, what's, what's new to come. Will at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? They were all about the, the kingdom coming to Israel. Because being a Jew, that is what their whole history points to, as, is the kingdom. As, as we've been tracking the kingdom through Israel's history, it's all focused about the kingdom. And so now that Israel has missed it, missed their chance and, and killed Jesus, now that he is resurrected and can't be nailed to a cross again, because if he can walk through walls, they're not going to be able to nail him to a cross. 
now is the time to restore the kingdom, as the apostles are saying. Is it, is it now the time that we're ready? We're ready for it to happen. Now, Jesus, you, you go over there and you walk over to the Pharisees and the high priests and you walk through the walls and now they're going to believe you and now they will see you as king and now uh, that they will lift you up. Is, is that what you're going to do right now? Is that what you're going to do, restore the kingdom? Because that's what you did to us. You walked through the walls on us and we got it. We understand now. So are you going to do that now? Restore the kingdom uh, to Israel. And uh, what Jesus says in verse 7, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. So that was Jesus' nice way of putting it. No, I'm not going to restore right now. Uh, I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to restore either. It's not for you to know. And, and you know what, had, had Jesus done that, had he went over there and had he walked through those walls and in the midst of the Pharisees and priests and Israel's leaders, then obviously most likely they would have fallen down and they would have repented. They would have uh, uh, forsaken their ways and Israel would, probably would have made him king right there on the spot had he went over and done that. But there was something that was preventing him. Uh, from doing that, and that was an old prophecy that says in Malachi 1.11, From the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place incense shall be offered unto my name, and a pure offering for my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. And so up until this time, Jesus is resurrected, he just got resurrected, it's still, all of, it's still located inside Jerusalem. The, Jew, the Gentiles haven't been reached yet. Uh, and so uh, this, this has to be fulfilled that his name is going to be great among the Gentiles. Uh, and so the Gentiles uh, need to be reached. And so why, why did he say that? Because in, in Malachi verse 12, but ye have profaned it. This is Israel. Israel has profaned it in that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof, even as meat, is contemptible. Uh, Israel profaned his name because they weren't living according to the law. They were, at this point, they were just offering any sacrifice up, uh, 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 deformed animals, that, things that they did not want. They just, they gave that as a sacrifice to God. And, and through their actions and disobedience to the law of Moses, they were profaned profaning uh, the name of God and, and plus not living according to the way that they should. And so the Jews, the, the very chosen people of God, profaned his name. They rejected their king. They killed the Messiah. And so since God's chosen people won't lift up his name, he's going to go to the heathen. He's going to go to the Gentiles, and, and what will they do? They're going to make his name great. They're going to worship him. They're, they're going to praise him. They're going to lift up the name of Jesus. They're going to honor him, and they're going to say, you are the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and because the Gentiles will be grateful for what I do to them. Meanwhile, my own people rejected me and killed me. And so before the kingdom is restored again unto Israel, the Gentiles are going to need to be reached. And the uttermost parts of the world will need to hear the gospel. Uh, and so in verse 8 of Acts, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem 
Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, received them out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why ye stand here, you're gazing into heaven. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. And so uh, that obviously, as we are told, that Jesus was with them for 40 days teaching them. And so this obviously was at the end of the 40 days when he was uh, ascends back into heaven. But Jesus also said other things that are recorded in Scripture during this time period. Uh, we see uh, Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so uh, he taught them that while he was there with them for 40 days, uh, to go do that as he commanded them to do. And so that begs the question, why the, did the apostles, when they baptized people, why didn't they say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? Because Jesus was with them for 40 days. 40 days he was teaching them all things of the kingdom. And, and so Peter stands up with the keys to the kingdom and says, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. And so what people do is they go to Matthew 28, 19, and they say that's what we need to do. you got to understand that was only one small segment of the 40 days that Jesus had taught them. And so when Jesus said that to them, they knew exactly what he meant. Because we can't go to the end of a conversation and say, oh, that's how we need to do it. we got to understand the whole context. And we weren't there for the 40 days that he was there with them. But what we do see is we do see the apostles standing up and say, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. They didn't say it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They said the name of Jesus. And so they obviously understood what Jesus meant. And so either the man with the keys, Peter's the man with the keys of the kingdom. He unlocked the church doors. He stood up and he preached. And either the man with the keys got it wrong. Because clearly there's a difference there. And if you want to get out to the words and the terminology, uh, what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 is not exactly what they repeated when they baptized people. So either the man with the keys of the church got it wrong, or Jesus had already explained to them that Jesus is the name of the Father, and Jesus is the name of the Son, and Jesus is the name of the Holy Ghost. And, and we see that every apostle and everyone that ever was recorded being baptized in Scripture was baptized in Jesus' name. That's why you and I are baptized in Jesus' name. We have no other scripture to, to stand upon than people being baptized in Jesus' name. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, you need to do that. Because that was one of the first things that Jesus taught the apostles about the church age and the kingdom. You must be born of the water to get in. And so Paul, Peter stands up with the keys and unlocks the church doors and says, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, one of the first requirements. And so that's why it's crucial to be baptized the proper way, not in the titles, but be baptized in Jesus' name because you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And those aren't my words, those are Jesus' words. 
So it's important. People may say, ah, it doesn't really matter. Well, it does. I would rather do, I'd rather be safe. I don't want to walk around thinking about, uh, oh, I'm okay, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and come to find out, no. Uh, I'd rather just get baptized in Jesus' name and say, that's it. I have, we have multiple scripture accounts for being baptized in Jesus' name. And so the church now is beginning to move and have experienced revival, reaching the world for Jesus. And, uh, and so still, the, 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 since the physical kingdom has not manifested yet on, uh, on the earth, we, the church, are the ones who go around proclaiming the gospel and, and getting people ready for the return of the king and the return of, of the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom is not here physically, but it's here spiritually because it's represented through you and I. We're, if we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven and we're here, then we have access to, to, the, to the kingdom. Whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That power and authority only comes to people who are part of the kingdom of God. Uh, and so you and I have done that being born again. Uh, and so Romans 14 and 7 says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not merely just physical but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It may not be here physically, but we can sure feel the moving of God's Spirit. We can sure experience the supernatural. We can still witness mighty outpourings of the Holy Ghost. We have seen miracles, signs, and wonders, and there's going to be many more that come because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's a, the physical, that's a spiritual kingdom at work, but it's not here physically. And so we separate ourselves from this world. We, we follow holiness and peace and righteousness, and we, we touch not the unclean thing. Why? Because in the kingdom of heaven, there's only righteousness and holiness and, and, and purity, and there's not uncleanliness in the kingdom of heaven. And so if we are representing the kingdom of heaven on the earth, uh, that's how we live and operate, and that's how we, we live like we're in the kingdom of heaven right now. And so we are citizens of the kingdom and so that's how we live our life, according to that kingdom, not according to this kingdom down here. And Jesus is king in our life, and he is Lord over our life. And we are in his kingdom, and we serve the king. And so when, when people are born again, they are spiritually born into the kingdom of heaven, but we're still here physically. We're waiting for the manifestation of it to come. And 2 Corinthians 5, it says, And all things are of God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself and not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. And so, since Jesus is not here physically, but we are, the, the church is the body of Christ. We are here in place of him. He's not here physically. He's here spiritually. And so, we are the body of Christ. And he is the head. 
And what is our purpose is, is to reconcile this world unto him just as he did when he was here physically. He was reconciling the world. And so Jesus went around telling people that you need to repent and you need to be born again. And he's praying for them and he was healing them and he was casting out devils. And, and what, do, what do we do as a church? We go around telling people, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be born again. We pray for people and we see healings happen and, and we cast out devils just like Jesus did. We are doing that in his stead because we are the body of Christ while he's not here visiting. And so the kingdom of heaven is not here physically, yet the church is here carrying out the kingdom's work. And we preach the gospel unto every creature until we are raptured out of here and, and until Jesus says, that's it for you guys, now it's my turn to take over and to do what is next. And so until that time, what do we do? We, we do what Jesus did. Tell people to repent, turn from their ways, turn to God, and follow the word of God in their life and, and to be born again. And so uh, until, until we are raptured out of here, that is the purpose of the church, to be a representation of the kingdom of heaven to this world, uh, be a witness against this world as, as Jesus was here physically, he did. And so we are now uh, the representation of that because uh, if we don't represent the kingdom, then who is? Israel, Israel is partially blind. They don't, they don't believe any of this stuff. Many, there, there are Jews that do, but most of the nation of Israel does not believe what we believe. And so then who's going to be a witness to this world? And that's why the, God raised up the church in this time because Israel uh, turned a blinded eye. And so he's got, I got to still, I got to reach the world. There's still souls that need to be saved. And so I'm going to turn to the Gentiles. I'm going to create this church, this, this bride, the body, so that you and I can experience salvation. Because if that wasn't so, then you and I wouldn't be here. Musicians, if you would come. So the Jews, the Jews crucified Jesus, but the Gentiles and the church have crowned him king. And that is where we are at. But God has a plan and a purpose through it all. Romans eleven seven says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. But the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear until this day. This is obviously Paul's writing this. Until that day, uh, they were still, Israel was still blinded in disbelief. David said, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fail? God forbid. But rather, through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles. Why? To provoke Israel to jealousy. If you guys won't do it, I'll find somebody that will. If my people won't love me, then I'll go to somebody who will love me. And that's, that's the Gentile churches, as, as we were not the people of God, but, but now through the reconciliation and the, the death of Jesus Christ, now we are made nigh to Christ, and now uh, we are in fellowship with him. 
and so part of all of this is to provoke Israel into jealousy because, hey, we have, we have the king of kings and the lord of lords. Is, Israel does not yet. They, they still rejected him. They crucified. They killed him. We say, we're not going to kill him. Uh, and, and so, uh, verse 12, now if the fall of them be riches of the world, if Israel's failure brought riches to the world, and the diminishing of them, the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. If we are blessed because Israel failed, if we get salvation because Israel failed and messed up, then what do you think is going to happen when Israel actually wakes up? What do you think is going to happen when they wake up and they see Jesus for who he really is? If we are already blessed because of they failed and they messed up, we, we get all this already. Can you imagine what's going to happen when they actually wake up and when they realize what is going on uh, and, and says, when they finally say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I'll tell you what's going to happen. The kingdom of heaven is going to come and be physically manifested in this world, and this world will never ever be the same again. Creation is groaning and, and waiting to be delivered and waiting for the kingdom of heaven to come to be manifested in this earth so that the curse of sin can be lifted from this earth. And if the church does its part and, and Israel does its part and, and then God does his part, then the kingdom of heaven will rule this world in righteousness and holiness and of the increase of his government, there's not going to be any end. And that's what God has in store. That's what's coming right around the corner. So we need to make sure that we're getting ready to see him and to meet him in the air because there's not much time left. And God's, got, God's still got things he needs to do to accomplish before the end of the age. Will you stand with me tonight? Just as God went down and, and formed man from the dust of the earth, He also formed the nation of Israel as we witnessed through this journey calling Abraham out and says, I'm going to start a new nation out of you. And he, he literally, God formed a nation of Israel. And the purpose of Israel, the nation, was to be a light in the world, to reflect God's glory, um, and so that all the ungodly nations were, were to look at Israel and, and they'd want to be like them. And they, how, how did you get so blessed? And they have all these things. And they wanted, so they would forsake their false gods and they would serve the one true living God. That's what Israel's purpose is. That's what anyone, any godly person's purpose is, is to reflect God's glory and to, to, to draw others unto him. We see in Exodus 19, it says, Now therefore... Speaking to Israel, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And so Israel was to be set apart, as God said here, above all people. The nation of Israel, God elevated. You guys are going to be above every person. Every nation, you will be above them all. But they didn't live the way that they're supposed to live. 
And they ultimately rejected the Messiah. And, and as we have said, Jesus then turned to the Gentiles to see what they would do. Because if Israel refused uh, to do it, I, I, I'm going to find somebody that can do it. And the church has done it and is doing it. The church is reaching the world and magnifying the name of the Lord. And, and so because of Israel's disobedience and the church's obedience, now Israel, who was once set above all people, now Gentiles have been grafted into this. And now there is no more Jew or Greek. There's no more bond or free, but all have become equal at the foot of the cross. There's no more difference anymore because Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's available to everybody. Salvation is open to all uh, through Israel's failure and disobedience. Romans 10 and 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Now there's no more barrier, there's no more difference between Jew and, and Gentiles. But it, if you go to a Jew today and say, hey buddy, we're equal, you're not going to like that. Because they still haven't accepted this. They're still partially blind. They don't. They don't. They haven't uh, believed this yet. And so the Jews still look down upon us Gentiles. But there is coming a day that we're all going to be in the same kingdom together. And I think Israel is going to be surprised how many non-Jewish people are in there. But hey, that's a God's plan. That's not our plan. And if we're there, if there's an admission, if there's an access to the kingdom of heaven, who wouldn't want to be a part of it? Who wouldn't want to say, I'll forsake these things of this world and say, oh, God, give me you. Give me Jesus. You can have the things of this world. I'm going to lay up myself treasures in heaven. There's greater things yet to come. We're not going to put anchors down here, but we've got to go after God and to follow after his word because he has great things in store in the kingdom of God. Paul continues to write in Romans 11. He says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, this mystery that Jews and Gentiles are now come together. Lest you should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is in part, is happened to Israel, until, that means blindness is going to be open. They're going to, they're going to see. Their blindness is in part until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That means there's only a limited time for Gentiles, according to this, what I, if I interpret this right. Uh, until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, uh, Israel remains blind. But there's coming a point. The return of Jesus and the restoration of the kingdom of Israel draws nearer. That means that Gentiles have less time remaining than the Jews do. Because until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, Israel remains partially blind. And, and so that means for you and I, 
that there's no time for games. There's no time to, to play around. Uh, no time to be half in the church or half in the world or no time to spend being lukewarm. We don't have much time because there's coming a day when Jesus says, I'm coming back for my bride. My bride is ready. That person's been baptized. That person's got the Holy Ghost. It's time to take the church out so I can usher in the final years and open Israel's eyes and bring back the, the kingdom of, of heaven to Israel. And so there's not much time for you and I. That's why we need to seek his face like never before. And I, I know that these, this past year has been, has been like none other. And I think that's all part of this, to shake this world, to shake our souls, to say, hey, it's time to arise. It's time to wake and get out of sleep. It's time to, to seek his, his face closer than more than ever before because his return is nearer, and I want to make sure I'm with him. I don't want to miss the rapture. I don't want to stay around, but we're going to worship him. Let's worship him tonight as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, you're the one, Jesus. We wait on you're the you King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We what Israel did not see, God, we see in you. Oh, we worship you. We see you for who we you are, Jesus. You. Lord, we thank you, God, for your salvation. Thank you for your blood. For this opportunity, God. Hallelujah, we worship you, Jesus.
can we lift up the Lord? Can we magnify his name? Hallelujah. We shout with a voice of triumph. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, God, that we have, Lord, not only that we can come here, but, God, that we can have access and be a part of the kingdom that you have planned for this world. God, whatever you have to do to us, God, help us, Lord, to be saved and not to miss, miss out on the rapture. Amen. We don't want to do that. We want to be with you as soon as possible. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the word of God, the promises that, are, that, are, that are, have been uh, manifested in our lives and that are yet to come? Even though this world looks dark and it's getting darker, there, I still see something bright coming. And that is the kingdom of heaven. That's coming. Amen. That's what we're looking forward to, right? We're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.